0: Welcome to Axios Pro Rata, a podcast that takes just 10 minutes to get you smarter on the collision of tech, business and politics. I'm Dan Permac. On today's show, some Kushner conflicts in Saudi Arabia and Google ends up on the wrong side of gay rights groups. But first, Joe Biden's big gamble. Axios' Mike Allen this morning reports that the biggest question right now around Joe Biden isn't so much if he's going to run for president, But if he's going to do it alone, the former Veep apparently has been wrestling with the idea of announcing his running mate on day one. And if he does so, making that running mate, Stacey Abrams, the popular Georgia Democrat who in November lost a very tight and contentious race for governor. On paper, it makes a certain amount of sense. Biden would be running in perhaps the first ever American presidential election where being a white man, particularly an older white man, is viewed as a negative, at least among Democratic primary voters. So adding a younger African-American woman like Abrams could give him some demographic defense. And particularly that would be true when his history with the Anita Hill hearings gets raised during debates, which it undoubtedly would. But at the same time, picking Abrams might look a little desperate and also dismissive of the other potential running mates who are currently vying for the top spot, including a record number of women. Plus it's unclear exactly why Abrams would want to box herself into this particular corner. She's currently focusing on voter rights issues, gave a very well-received reply to Trump's recent State of the Union address, and might have a lot of options beyond Amtrak Joe. In short, it's an idea with huge possible benefits and huge possible risks, which is why, as Mike Allen reported, Biden's advisors are split. In 15 seconds, we'll go deeper with Mike Allen. But first, this. There is more news out there than ever before, but these days, it's harder than ever to find it and to know what to trust. Axios AM takes the effort out of getting smart by synthesizing the 10 stories that will drive the day and telling you why they matter. Subscribe at signup.axios.com. And now, back to the ProRata Podcast. We're joined now by Axios Executive Editor Mike Allen. So Mike, let's start with the obvious question here. Is Joe Biden going to run for president?
1: 95, percent chance, according to the people around him. And they're very deliberate in not making a 100. It's funny. People around him, even people who were very skeptical about the idea of him running, now basically are telling us he's all in and have been for a while now. There was a distinct change in the guidance that we were given. There still is a little mental reservation among some of them. And I think that that reflects the same among the vice president. So what they will tell you is he's been deliberate about this. He calculated that he could wait. They say that that calculation turned out to be correct, based on the fact that all these other heavy, heavy hitters have gotten in, and he's still at the top of the polls in Iowa and elsewhere. So Early April is the latest
0: indication, so within a couple weeks. How much of this do you think, for Biden personally, is regret that he didn't run in 2016? And I know part of that was his son's untimely death, but but does he just keep looking back at that and saying, made the wrong decision?
1: I don't know, because the people around him say there is no way he could have run in 2016. That given whatever he thinks now, the people who are there— Say that it almost wasn't a decision. It, there, there were so Be- because many Because it would have been emotions. impossible to run against Hillary, given, S- given their common backgrounds? No, 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 no. Purely on the family issues, okay. the emotional issues issues, the personal side, uh, there was no way that could have worked according to people close
0: to him. The scoop you have this morning, the the Stacey Abrams, possibly this kind of joint ticket at the outset, just some historical context here, at least in the modern era, have we ever seen a major presidential candidate of either party pick a VP basically on announcement day?
1: So the expert on this is uh, the great Michael Beschloss, and he was kind to share his mind Uh, With me, and he said that there there has not been a winning one. So, the this would be groundbreaking. Uh, There's no question about it. There would be, uh, there would be a very historic element to it. Uh, The way that Michael Beschloss says it is no successful modern non incumbent presidential candidate has ever announced a VP choice long before the primary uh, process. And there there are a few people who have uh, dipped into it a little bit and uh, he points out that Ronald Reagan, who's running behind Gerald Ford, did a little bit of a Hail Mary 3 weeks before the 1976 Republican convention in Kansas City. He said then that he would name Gerald Ford. So there have been little instances of this, but uh, nothing exactly this
0: early. And this decisive. You know, you write this morning that that his advisors are a bit split on the idea of this. Leave aside whether Abrams would accept. I'm looking at the Twitter comments. They are not terribly positive, and that is coming from Biden supporters and from Abrams supporters. So let me ask you about each of these. On the Biden supporter side, the the counters to this are are twofold. One, it arguably makes him look kind of weak, like he needs help or he can't do this on his own. And and candidly, she lost her last election. He's lost for president twice. And then more importantly, you've got this large, you know, 20-some Field of potential vice presidential candidates who are already running for president. Why tie yourself to a horse so early when one of those other people might catch fire and be a better choice?
1: Well, in a different way to think about it, from Stacey Abrams' point of view, she would be a great VP for anyone. Uh, who's running, why would she want to tie herself to someone? And then from his point of view, you're right. It does look like a gimmick. And what somebody pointed out to me is one of the first questions that you would be asked in debate is really not one of these people on the stage with you is worthy of being your running mate? That's tough to answer. Okay, so you're Joe Biden. You do this. How do you answer that? I think he would say that he wants to be part of the next generation of democratic politics, and politicians can always find things
0: to say, but the sort of that's a tough one though right if if he says that you're going to have people like kamala harris and beto o'rourke say hey we're over here we are the next generation of democratic politics you, you don't need to take the second place person take us
1: right no uh, you're totally right and it's why advisors are very leery of this the people who are arguing for it say that it distinguishes him that is one person said to me it keeps him from being just another old white guy and uh, would sort of Uh, tie himself to the next uh, generation. The New York Times popped up a story saying that uh, he's also looking at the idea of limiting himself to one term that's been kicking around for some months seems totally impractical because the idea of making yourself a lame duck preemptively, Dan, as you know, politicians just don't think that way.
0: No, they don't. Let me ask you one question on the other side. Is there any chance that Mike Pence is not on the Republican ticket, ultimately, as the VP? I think it would take an act of God,
1: I don't see... uh, I'm going to take that back. Like uh, Everybody on Twitter now says, I'm out of the predictions business, and it gets to be a bit of a cliche, but uh, I think it's probably not a bad idea. Who knows? What I can say, based on our reporting, I take my own advice. What we always say to our reporters is, when you're on a podcast and somebody asks you something you shouldn't answer, always just say, our reporting shows. As long as you start with that, you're in good shape. So I'm going to do that. Our reporting shows that there's no indication of this right now, but the president actions are not always in concert with what uh, reporting shows months out. Well, that works for
0: me. Thank you to Mike Allen, executive editor of Axios. My final two right after this. Axios gives you the news and analysis you need to get smarter faster on the most important topics. In our unique smart brevity format, we cover topics from politics to science and media to tech. Subscribe to get smarter faster at signup.axios.com. And now, back to the ProRata Podcast. Now it's time for my final two, and first up is this morning's New York Times report that implies, but doesn't outright claim, a conflict of interest related to White House advisor Jared Kushner and his brother, venture capitalist Josh Kushner. So three things to know. First, Jared is obviously a huge supporter of President Trump, who is the father of his wife, Ivanka. Josh Kushner, on the other hand, is close to his brother, but is also an ardent Democrat who was even spotted at the Women's March just days after Trump's inauguration. Second, it is true that Josh's firm, Thrive Capital, had Saudi investors before the election and still has them today. And that he was one of thousands of attendees at the Future Investment Conference in Riyadh two years ago, shortly before his brother arrived to meet the crown prince on political matters. Third. Where there are Kushners, there is always the possibility of conflict, but this, just doesn't feel like one of those times. It makes sense Josh would be at such an event and that Jared, who's been in charge of the White House's Middle East policy almost since day one, would visit Riyadh. Thrive Capital has, and I'm sorry to say this, a thriving business. It didn't need help from Jared to raise money. Finally, Google is under fire today from LGBTQ activists for its refusal to pull an app aimed at convincing people that their same-sex sexual attractions are both sinful and changeable. It's published by something called Living Hope Ministries And already was dumped by Apple and Amazon and Microsoft, each of whom appeared to view it as a subtle form of conversion therapy, something widely believed by medical professionals to be not only ineffective, but actually harmful to mental health. Google so far isn't explaining its position to keep the app in its app store, despite over 130,000 signatures on a change.org position calling for the company to reverse course. And we're done. Big thanks for listening. And to my producers, Adam Gracia and Tim Shovers. And it's actually Adam's last day with us today. So my deepest and sincerest thanks for all his hard work since we launched last summer. Have a great National Fragrance Day. And we'll be back tomorrow with another Pro Rata Podcast.